This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Coach Jen in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Tara Tibbetts coming to you from Fort Worth, Texas. You are listening to our exciting monthly fox hunting episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. This episode is coming to you on October 21, 2021, which is episode 2793. Good morning, Horse World. This is a reminder that this is our special fox hunting episode. If you're a regular listener to Horses in the Morning, you know that the Tuesday, Thursday episodes are special every month, and we come to you to chat about fox hunting on the third Thursday. So mark your calendar, people. Yes. (laughs) Especially this time of year when all the fun stuff's happening. Well, it gets a little exciting about this time of the year. So come autumn, because different fox hunts have different high seasons or formal seasons depending upon where they're at because of of the temperatures and the weather because fox hunting is a successful sport when it's cooler by the time october rolls around is everybody in the country regardless of location pretty much gearing up to get going well i would in some form or fashion yes uh year in florida i'm in texas um i know most hunts in Texas are kind of sort of taking hounds out a little bit, but not really actively hunting a ton yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still, you've got to go pretty early in the morning for autumn hunting out here. And I would venture to guess Florida is kind of the same, maybe a little warmer. Early morning is the play, is the time to go here because it's just now our, our cooler evenings or cooler overnights arrived a little bit late this year. So it's literally just been this week that we've gotten some comfortable, cool temperatures overnight that would allow scent to be followed and allow hounds to work and not get overheated. And the local hunts that we have here are, I think it's the 1st of November when proper autumn hunting starts right now. It's more exercise, which frequently happens on foot just because they don't know what kind of temperatures they're going to have. Yeah. And and like the, the hunts that are in, in far North United States, I want, I'm trying to think of ones I can think of the name of, but I've seen a few hunts who have openings in the last couple of weeks. And so, you know, if it's going to be bitter cold, they've started, but you know, it's kind of interesting. I I suspect if you're up North or in higher elevations, you want to get your formal season started now, because by the time after Thanksgiving rolls around, it's going to be sub zero. (laughs) Exactly. And around here, around Thanksgiving is right when it's, you know, we'll, it'll get kind of rainy season ish, which, you know, the, the more moisture is in the air, the more scent stays close to the ground and it's easier for the hounds to smell it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, things are, things are swinging. So the term of the month, this month of October, 2021 is the word where, 
W-A-R-E. And oftentimes when you're looking at fox hunting terms, you'll see kind of an apostrophe W-A-R-E. And what you'll hear in the field is when you're galloping or riding along, you'll hear somebody say wear wire or wear branch. And it's a shortening of the word beware. And it's a warning to the riders behind to notice the thing. And it's always funny. Um, I've been out riding with hounds with people who are kind of into it lately. And you'll say, you know, wear metal. And they're like, they just kind of look at you like you're a crazy person. And it reminded me that you have to tell people what it means. I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, but it's a courtesy to other people in the hunt to avoid a piece of metal or wire or fencing or something like that while you're riding along. And wear hole is a pretty, wear is a hole common is a one. popular one where I'm from. <laughs> yes. Probably everywhere. Yes. The, the famous wear holes in Pennsylvania were groundhog holes, but I always look at wear hole is you're going to, you need to either duck move, leap, or jiggle sideways in a hurry when you hear that. Yes. (laughs) Because it's coming up quickly, which is why it's there. It's, and you pass it along to the next guy behind you. If you're something akin to single file, you hear someone ahead of you say, wear hole and you're two, two or three riders behind them. You need to say it again because 15 riders back, they didn't hear the first guy who said it. Right. And, and it's especially important too, when you're hunting, because usually you're going at speed. Yes. So you definitely don't want to hit a hole when you're galloping. No, no. And we were always taught that if it was something that was on the ground, you needed to point at it. So if it was where hole and the hole was on your right, you held your stick out on yep. your, in your hand, whether it was a dr- plain old jumping whip or a hunting whip and you pointed in the direction of it so that folks knew which way to look. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a safety term, a courtesy safety term is what I would say. Very, very handy courtesy and safety. And I'm going to add a caveat to this one. Um, Very nice. Because I, in the past have hunted a lot of really short horses. I spent a lot of time fox hunting 13 and a half hand ponies. And the distinct advantage to that is I don't have to duck as much as everybody else. And it's a whole lot easier to get back on. And it's a whole lot easier to get on and off. I got to do gates a lot because I could get on and off easily. But limbs and branches, we were always taught that when it came to low limbs and branches, you ducked and you close your eyes and you keep going. You don't take your arm up and push it up out of your way because then when you let go of it, it's going to flip back and hit the next guy in line in the face. Yes. So there you go. You d- don't don't push it up out of the way. You duck and just let it slide over. Yep. And and I th- that's I never was a, I haven't been educated of that, but I started hunting on a 15-hand quarter horse and now I hunt a 16-2-hand thoroughbred and I concur the smaller horse was a lot easier in many respects. <laughs> And he was a little more maneuverable to get around stuff, but I do the same. I, I basically like try to lay on Simon's shoulder when we're going through stuff like that. Cause nothing's worse than getting clotheslined by a branch that somebody swings in front of you. Yeah. Yes. 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 And a lot of times, because we have a lot of very close country here in, in Florida. So it's single track. In other words, it's a path that's one lane wide and there's really no way to, 
go around things. You have to go under that limb because there's no going around it. The underbrush is too thick. And if you can't see the ground, it's dangerous to walk through that underbrush because you can't tell if that underbrush is covering up the top of a sinkhole that's 22 feet deep. So you go under. And I've learned now because I ride with a visor on my helmet to keep the sun off. That really impedes your vision when it comes to going under limbs. Right. (laughs) I can never tell when I'm quite gone. And, And on a number of occasions, I've sat back up and I wasn't finished with the limbs yet. And just about decapitated myself. Yeah. So Been there. Uh, yeah. Done that. Ta- take the visor off when you fox hunt and just put on extra sunscreen. Yes, I would agree. There you go. Well, that was our term of the month. Always one of my favorite parts. And speaking of terms of the month, uh, one of our terms that we talk about here on every single episode of the Fox Hunting podcast on horses in the morning is mfha or masters of foxhounds association and this show wouldn't happen without them so tell us what's going on at mfha yeah it's we we talk about this a lot in the really the september october november episodes of the podcast about fox hunting specifically that's really kind of a very active time of the year for the mfha and we've got a couple of guests today talking about the Theodora A. Randolph Field Hunter Championships, which just concluded last weekend. At the end of this month coming up is the um, Junior North American Field Hunter Championships that will be held, um, hosted by the Iroquois Hunt in Lexington, Kentucky. So that's kind of similar to the Field Hunter Championships, except that it's specifically for junior riders. Mm, neat. So. Yeah, that's an exciting event coming up. Um, A lot of opening hunts are happening, and there's a lot going on. We had Fred Berry on last month to talk about the performance trials for hounds, and those are continuing. Um, Sedgefield hosted one at the kind of the beginning of this month, and there's, I think the Andrews Bridge one was in, in late September, um, I'm trying, I'm looking at the newsletters to see, I don't see when the next one coming up is, but there's a few more coming up for, they call it the search for America's best performance trial hound. And that comes to a culmination. Um, I think it's late this year or early next year. I want to say it's in January where they do the finals. Um, so that's always neat if you're, if you're a hound person to check it out. And then sadly, the Virginia Hunt Week this year was canceled, but everyone can mark their calendar and look forward to a Memorial Day weekend is always the Virginia Hound Show. And that's a big, um, a big, a big time of fox hunters coming if, together. If, if you are not a race fan, but you need an excuse to get dressed up and go do things that involve horses and hounds and a fancy hat, that's where you need to go. Absolutely. There you go. 100% agree. So, so. How, does, how does one get the MFHA newsletter? Because it sounds as chock, like it's chock-a-block full of great things to do and see. It is full of great things to do and see and, and get the updates about what's happening in fox hunting. And you just join the MFHA. Go to MFHA. I think you could do .com or .org in it, but they both take you to the MFHA's website and you can join. And it's really inexpensive. It's like 30 or $40 to, to get an annual membership to the MFHA and you get the newsletter every month. Um, they send you some cool swag in the mail and it gets you an inside track on the events and what's happening in different hunts. So we go. check it out. Okay. Time for us to get our first guest on the phone, Karen Wilson. 
I am delighted today to be speaking with Karen Wilson, the chairman of the Theodora A. Randolph Field Hunter Championships. And I don't know how I've, we've been doing this podcast for three years and have not um, kind of talked about this event and gotten into it. So I'm delighted, Karen, and I would love for you to start off, just let our listeners know your hunt affiliation, and then I know nothing about the Field Hunter Championship, so I would just like to hear all about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, it's uh, good to be here. Uh, we are currently hunting with Blue Ridge Hunt, which is uh, located in uh, Clark County, Virginia. Lovely. Very lovely. So what is the Theodora, uh, it's Theodora A. Randolph Field Hunter Championships. What What is it and how do people participate? Okay. Well, it's a fox hunting uh, competition, and it dates back to 1984 and was named after Theodore Ayer Randolph, who was the master of Piedmont Hounds, one of our most prestigious packs in uh, the lovely Virginia hunt countryside. She was a master from 1954 to 1996, so that is where the uh, name came, and uh, she was an avid fox hunter who hunted seven days a week and was just an incredible horsewoman and pioneer of the industry. And uh, this competition uh, is held on a yearly basis, and it is uh, spans over a week where we have four days of hunting with different packs in this area. We hunted with Bull Run Hunt in uh, the Culpeper Madison area, and Blue Ridge Hunt on Tuesday up in Clark County. And Wednesday, we went to Orange County Hunt in uh, the Middleburg Plains area. And on Thursday, we hunted with Old Dominion, which is down in the Marshall area. We give everybody a day off on Friday or use it as a rain date if something happens. And then on Saturday, we hold the final competition where every day... Uh, riders qualify for uh, uh, they are judged by a uh, mounted judges on a daily basis and they qualify and are eligible to uh, compete in the Saturday finals and on uh, Saturday we do a mock hunt uh, for about 15-20 minutes over the Snickersville Hounds territory and then uh, they are further selected uh, to ride a uh, an individual hunt of about, or individual course of about uh, 10 to 12 jumps. And then the uh, uh, grand champion and champion are uh, pinned with uh, uh, ribbons to the eighth place. Okay. So that's the, uh, that's the competition in a nutshell. So do, I'm in Texas, Jen is in Florida. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do do people do you qualify to participate or do hunts nominate members? How, how do the participants are they selected? Uh, well, this is an open competition. Uh, there are other competitions where you are nominated or selected by your hunt, but uh, uh, and those are generally one day competitions because this is four days. This is open to anybody who wants to hunt. It is a first field. Uh, hunting competition. So if uh, riders are interested in uh, uh, hilltopping or going in second field, 
they must treat this as a normal hunt day and call the masters for uh, permission to cap. So uh, uh, we generally range uh, about 25 different hunts. And uh, uh, so we had 25 this year. We had a gentleman from Montreal, Canada, and uh, uh, eight states. Uh, We have had people from Texas, Florida, uh, Massachusetts, New York, uh, Vermont, uh, many around the Virginia and Maryland area. Uh, We have a gentleman that always comes from Ohio. So uh, we pretty much attract uh, any fox hunter who is interested in hunting in Virginia, which is, you know, probably some of the uh, uh, nicest hunting territory we always have game, and uh, the pack of hounds are pretty much uh, uh, second to none. And uh, uh, we're very privileged to have this uh, competition uh, in this area. Well, and that's – it almost sounds like – is it is the field during the Field Hunter Championships, is it – I'm guessing it's a smaller field than during Hunt Week in Virginia. Yes. Um, we only limit the competition to 60 riders because uh, we want to be very protective of our landowners. And uh, the hosting hunt also has their members hunt. Right. So we can have up to, you know, 30, 40 of uh, their members. And then you throw uh, another 60 on. That could be a field of 100. But uh, we we tend to see that the hosting hunts they have less people just because people don't want to, you know, be part of the competition or um, uh, be in a field uh, that large. So we do limit it to 60 riders. I mean, it almost sounds like if you're, if you're an avid fox hunter and a good rider and, and are capable of participating in this first field competition, it'd almost be a, a, a better way to see the hunt country in Virginia than hunt week, just because the field is a little bit smaller and more intimate. Yeah, and uh, it is in it's in a much uh, I think smaller area, and I think uh, Virginia Hunt Week uh, uh, is a wonderful uh, um, event. It, it does draw a lot of people, but the fields are much smaller, and it is a competition. So we have prize money of uh, uh, four thousand dollars that uh, uh, go to the grand champion. Um, is uh, two thousand dollars to the hunt, five hundred to the rider, and then the reserve champion gets a thousand dollars and five hundred uh, to the rider. So oh, that's lovely. Uh, it is a competition. Yes, it is, and it certainly uh, uh, helps the hunt with their yearly uh, expenses. And then uh, uh, the rider pretty much gets their trip paid for. You know, a lot of people. We'll stay overnight and uh, uh, for the four days if they're not local or stay with friends. And so that does help defray the expenses. So then, of course, we have to ask who won this year. Oh, uh, this was just a marvelous year. I'll tell you that so many people with uh, COVID uh, last year, uh, if they were lucky enough to hunt with their home pack and uh, most hunts did go out. Um, but very few people traveled. So it was just, uh, uh, you could just feel the energy and the relief and the, the joy of people uh, traveling uh, these days. And we had a, a wonderful uh, uh, horse and rider from 
uh, Thornton Hill Hounds. Uh, Lindsay Williamson uh, rode a beautiful warm blood mare. Uh, her name was Gabrina von Schweetz. Oh, and uh, she was a beautiful chestnut and just went very well all week. She, uh, 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 I believe she rode three, if not four days uh, of the competition and then uh, had a very nice mock hunt and individual test. And our uh, reserve champion was Mary Crane from uh, Norfolk Hunt in uh, Massachusetts. And uh, her horse was Forever Bernardini. And he was a uh, eight-year-old thoroughbred gelding and just a lovely horse. And he also won the uh, Dr. Uh, Matthew McKay Smith Top Thoroughbred Award, where we recognized the top uh, thoroughbred uh, who placed in the competition. So they were uh, just wonderful horses, uh, wonderful riders, and uh, who did a remarkable uh, job. Well, I would encourage anyone listening to to go back and I followed uh, we've Cameron Sadler is on this this episode of the podcast and she was a judge for the field hunter trials. But yeah. she posted a lot of photos and the MFHA and a couple of other um, groups and whatever posted pictures and videos and stuff from the event. And it 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 was exciting to watch to see just, you know, beautiful horse flesh, gorgeous country, lovely riding and. And I did want to clarify too, this is the horse being judged more specifically than the rider, correct? Kind of like the hunters, yes. but real. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, it certainly helps when you have a uh, lovely horse ridden by a uh, very competent rider and, uh, uh, a true partnership definitely does shine through, but we are uh, certainly judging, uh, the horse's ability, um, uh, as a field hunter. And so if anyone is listening and they're interested in, in getting more involved, is is the event same time frame every year or? Yes, it know, is. Um, we are part of the Virginia Fall Races, uh, which Mrs. Randolph uh, was the uh, chairwoman of the races for many, many years. And uh, the races are held at uh, Glenwood Park in Middleburg, Virginia. And uh, it is always the first week of October. So um, uh, next year, it is October 3rd through 8th. And the races are run uh, on the 8th. And our competition starts in the morning and uh, ends right before the races, uh, 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 the steeplechase races for the uh, Virginia Fall races. Delightful. And and you all have a Facebook page. So we'll put a link to your Facebook page and... Um, we're yeah. sponsored by the MFHA, so anyone can always go to the MFHA website and get information. So, Karen, thank you so much for sharing this, and, and I hope some of our listeners will check it out, go watch, or or even maybe participate next year. Well, we'd love to have them, and it is uh, great fun. I am so excited to have Cameron Sadler back with us, a Master Foxhounds for more County Hounds. And usually when I have guests back a second time, I try to space it out a little bit. But there's so much been going on that I had to have Cameron back. So we have to start off with, because I'm a huge fangirl, as Cameron knows, but Cameron and her beautiful thoroughbred zapper won the Thoroughbred Makeover Field Hunter Championship for the 2020 Horses. Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> so exciting. So 
I, I think it's particularly interesting to have you on winning the 2020 thing, because if, if, if anyone listening is not familiar with the thoroughbred makeover, then you're living under a rock if you're a horse person, but it's, it's the event they have at the Kentucky horse park, usually every year. And it's thoroughbreds that have been off the track pretty recently. I'm not going to go into all the rules of it, but 2020 was canceled. So it got moved to this year. They did both years. So I know you've done this before Cameron, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about the difference in having the extra time to prepare for it and what you think that made in a difference in the competition? So this this is my third time competing twice on my own horses. And then one year I competed with a friend's horse when she broke her leg, unfortunately at the last minute. Uh, so in terms of having the, the extra year, it did make a very big difference for Zapper and me as a younger horse, when he was first um, arriving here, he was extremely playful and mm-hmm. I will say, you know, I really literally almost had to like buy a new saddle. So I stay on, um, oh, wow. he really, really, uh, celebrated a lot every time he jumped. And, um, that extra year made a huge difference for us on this particular horse. It just gave him a year to get so much more mileage and maturity. How old is he? He's six. Okay, so and and I'm I'm obsessed with with Zapper. Just so the audience knows, he is by a stallion named Ghost Zapper, which my horse Simon is by that same stallion. What's Zapper's dam line? If do you know that off the top of your head? Dory Far. Okay, Dory Far. Okay, and he did he race very much? I think he raced fifteen times. That's um, pretty. I'd have to look on Equibase to be sure, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Fairly significant. So once you got to the competition, do you feel like you could see a remarkable difference between the 2020 horses and the 2021 horses overall? So I'll just say it really depends on the individual horse. Uh, Some horses, you know, they are coming to the competition and some of them are even, you know, 10, 12 years old. I think the oldest one there was 14 or 13 years old. Uh, Many of them are six or seven when they get off the track. So again, and then there are some that come off the track when they're two or three, or they actually didn't race. They just train and you really can see a big difference. I believe in, in the ones with the different age and also across the different disciplines and specifically for fox hunting, you know, you're looking for that quiet mind with a lot of athleticism. And uh, in Zapper's case, his mind was not quiet when he got, but that extra year really helped us out. And I think, you know, you look at Laura Sloan's horse, the one that won the 2021, and he, he was quiet really from the beginning. So, you know, it just depends on the horse and it depends on the age and the experiences that they had prior to uh, their, you know, their second career. And in Zapper's case, he raced and then he went to uh, a young lady for a, a few rides, not many, and then I bought him. So he didn't have a lot. He had not been out of the ring when I bought him. He had to really learn about trails. He had to learn about uh, everything that's outside of the ring. And and he had only had had a couple of ring rides before I picked him up. So uh, there was a big learning curve for him. But he is so smart. He picked it all up. and, And I can't believe how amazing he has become in the time period we had. So will you keep him or do you usually sell your RRP horses? I don't usually sell my horses, period. 
<laughs> Lucky for him. Unless they don't hunt. Right. So, and he does. So uh, he will not be going anywhere. Yay. And I have to and ask. We're looking forward to lots, lots of good things going forward. Oh, yay. Excited. Well, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to see him again. Um, and, and the other, the 2021 winner of for Field Hunters was also a Moore County Hunt member, correct? Yes. Correct. Laura Sloan. So did y'all train together? Or is that just kind of we a... We did. We Very did. Nice. We, we did a lot of things together all summer. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned on our last podcast that I do the fox hunting pony club camp, and she and I took both of these horses through all of that. And uh, so that included everything from, you know, going to a ranch and herding cows to schooling cross country and to doing dressage lessons to trail riding, et cetera. So, yeah, we pretty much have trained side by side all since the end of last hunt season. So my takeaway so, from this is that anyone who's listening and wants to compete in the field hunters, you should go to boot camp at Moore County Hounds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, we'd love to see more people out hunting, of course. Awesome. So it's, it's been a great experience to oh. work with Zapper and to work alongside with Laura and her horse. Uh, his name is For the Greater Good. And he's still real beautiful, Grace. So I'm guessing he's still fairly young. I am not sure exactly how old he is off the top of my head, but I believe he's oh. a little bit younger than Zapper. Very nice. Well, I know you, you've got a jam-packed schedule, and before we let you go, I wanted to, to mention briefly, we're, we're going to talk to Karen Wilson also today about the Theodore A. Randolph Field Hunter Championships. Awesome. But you were a judge, so could you real quickly just kind of tell people what, what you do as a Field Hunter Championships judge? Sure, and I'll add to that that the week before RRP, Zapper was there, and I was judging off of him. So uh, that was a, a great opportunity to give him one last chance to try some new places, new types of jumps. Uh, he literally has to stand there while I watch and video people jumping in front of him and galloping off. So, I mean, he was just such a star, and I was like, oh, he's going to be great for RRP. But, oh, that's um, cool. The the Theodore Randolph is a great event. I highly recommend people to go. Even if you feel like you're not competitive, it is a great way to go and experience Virginia hunting. Uh, they have four hunts during the week, start on Monday and, and hunt through Thursday. And ideally, you know, you hunt your horse at least two times during that week and you can hunt them as depending on, you know, how much uh, you run and jump on the hunts. You could take them all four. And uh, you judge for two hours, and then people are allowed to retire or continue on. It's up to them. And uh, there's usually at least three to four judges each day. So all the judges are mounted. They are riding in the field. We're taking notes. For me, I use my phone to take pictures and videos and keep notes. And then at the end of the two hours, we stop judging. If it's a great hunt. We usually stay out hunting. And then after the hunt, we put our heads together and say, hey, here are the top horses that I saw. And we compare notes and try to select somewhere between three to five horses a day from each of the four hunts that would then go to the finals. So what are you looking for as a judge? I'm looking for the kind of horse I'd like to ride. So uh, it's definitely a first flight competition, meaning you're judging only first flight and 
So you're looking for a horse in my mind who can do it all. Literally they will stand quietly when you have a check, they'll walk when it's a quiet day. And if you get to running and jumping, which we definitely had a spectacular day out with the orange County, you want to have a horse that can go the distance and up and down the hills and over the walls and, and sort of be fearless. So uh, that's what I'm looking for. It doesn't matter if it's a thoroughbred. I think everybody knows I ride thoroughbreds, but we, we select a lot of different type of types of horses that can do those things. You're looking for, you know, good manners, all different types of things that they would have to do from walking, standing, reversing the field and uh, opening gates. And, um, and of course on a run, you're looking to see how they manage when it gets exciting and you're running and jumping. I mean, that's it. Like judging on a run seems so difficult. <laughs> so it, it is. And it's, it's super important for the judges to spread out. So we try really hard to make sure somebody's in the front. And, and in my case, if I'm in the front, I turn around and watch when the people are coming over the jumps. I try to see everybody come over and then join back and somebody else will move up to the front, somebody in the middle and somebody closer to the back so that you can see a good cross section of who's doing what with their horses all throughout the hunt. I feel like the judges horses should get like a special honorable mention. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for do, for able to do that. And, and again, going back to what a phenomenal preparation for our RP. Like, I feel like, I feel like Zapper really had a, a leg up on the competition in that regard. Um, I, I believe that it was a great last school for him. And he really, you know, what I actually walked away from that judging week and I rode him two days and I rode battalion two days for the judging. And I had actually won that with battalion uh, several years ago that um, after riding Zapper and doing that, I said, even if he doesn't do well in Kentucky, I know this horse is going to hunt and he's going to hunt great. So I was super thrilled with him. And of course, riding battalion is always wonderful. Uh, working with the other judges is amazing. And uh, we had four total judges this year, and then certain judges came on certain days. I was lucky enough to go every day. Um, it's just, it's a wonderful experience from every aspect. Karen Wilson does an amazing job of organizing that. And I guess I wanted to leave one final thought going back to RRP too, is um, that the the retired racehorse makeover project RRP is such an amazing organization. If people are looking for horses, they, they really do an amazing job of helping horses find the right second career. And, um, while we're talking about fox hunting and field hunters today, they actually allow you to go in two different disciplines. Uh, so you can take one horse on two disciplines in the year that they compete. And Zapper actually came in ninth on eventing, which I was super, super proud of because um, he placed in both of his disciplines. But the, the point I wanted to make is that the Retired Racehorse Project places horses across 10 different disciplines. So there's eventing, there's dressage, there's barrel racing, there's freestyle, there's all, pretty much everything you can Ranch horse, barrel racing, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's very, very cool competition if anybody ever gets the chance to go and watch or participate or, or if they're looking for horses they really have a, a great way of showing them off. Yeah, it's it's absolutely a bucket list thing for me. I've got a 28-year-old quarter horse, and when he goes to greener pastures, 
I'm hoping I can replace his stall with a with an RRP candidate. So, Cameron, yeah. thank you so much for coming back and chatting with us. And again, congratulations. I'm so excited for you. And I loved hearing more about the field hunter judging. Thank you and have a good night. Thank you so much for listening to this fun October episode of Horses in the Morning Fox Hunting. You can find me, Tara, on Instagram to search for at TN Tibbets. I've got two B's, two T's in my last name. And I post um, just a lot of what's going on with my house hounds and fox hunting and traveling around. You can find the links to today's guests in the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can also follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook and Instagram and some of the social medias. Just search for Horses in the Morning. And if you're an aficionado of Horsey Podcasts, you can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with the, our free app for iPhone and Android. Just go to your app store and search for Horse Radio Network. Thank you so much to our sponsor for this episode, the Masters of Foxhounds Association, the MFHA. Good night. Good night.